Hello, it's me again, CJ. Hopefully, I will be introducing the episode many more times here on the For Glory podcast. Thanks for sticking around with us this far, and may you also be here many more times. As you, also hopefully, by now know, I play V, the champion poppet. If you don't come from a Pathfinder background, you would probably be more familiar with the Paladin class, tanky hitters with divine powers. But in Pathfinder, Paladin is just one of the many subcategories a champion can be. See, a champion is very intrinsically tied to their alignment and the alignment of their deity. And there's a champion subclass for each of the three good and evil alignments. Lawful, neutral, and chaotic. A character's alignment doesn't necessarily have to match up exactly with their god's alignment, but the rules will usually say what alignments a certain god will accept. And boy are there a lot of gods. You got the inner sea gods. You got diamonds. Fey gods. Egyptian gods. Lots of gods. Polytheism for the win. It was honestly a hard decision choosing V's alignment. Both lawful good and neutral good would have worked for different reasons. But in the end, her strong sense of duty and morals lent more to the former, prepared to strike down evil with her retributive strike. And lawful good fits perfectly with Sarenrae, the sun goddess V worships. And, as V mentioned a couple episodes back, worshipping Sarenrae as a paladin comes with certain rules, or edicts and anathema as they're called. For the most part, this usually only comes up as flavor for roleplay, but performing an anathema could piss the god off enough for a punishment. Not that V would ever do that, intentionally. She's been rather dutiful in her prayers to Saren Ray, which ties into another part of being a good aligned champion. V has been the party's main source of healing, so far with her lay on hands ability. Champions get a focus point, which is like a rechargeable spell slot, and that recharge costs that 10 minutes of focusing V is becoming all too familiar with. She starts with only one focus point, but different feats later on can allow for a second point, though it is yet to be seen how she will level up. But based on a certain puppin' fighting style, I think you all can guess at least part of how she will level in the future. Feel free to reach out to us via email. We'd love to hear any feedback on how we're doing. Our email is f-o-u-r-glorypod at gmail.com, or you can interact with us on one of our social media pages. With all that out of the way, it's time for us to once again delve into the depths of the Gauntlet Keep as we begin episode 10, Riding on the Wall. Last time on the Four Glory Podcast. There's something watching. Come on, Willem. Oh, that's a fair time for me, baby. His and hers matching blood sacrifice altar. Willem will put on the silver ring. We see the blue eye of Sauron. <laughs> <laughs> Better than the brown eye of Sauron. But it's my silver ring. Oh, it's so deadly. Who's going first? Man, Orin definitely wants to get out here. You said that was pulsating, though? Who? You? You said the light was pulsating? I'm not pulsating. I do not like this place. Who wants to open the door? This is where the TBK happens. Let's move on, please. I fucking hate this place. Not touching shit. That is truly heroic of you. Don't like the feel of this thing. Something immense, distant, is watching. I fucking hate this place! So who's gonna drink it? Point <laughs> 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 made. Alright, fortune favors the bold. Ooh, that's gonna be a tough one. Your story continues now.
as you push the door open. The cold air from underground greets you. It says, hey buddy, long time no see. In this chamber is darkness, but the light of Gwillem's staff from nearby behind you shines past you, casting your shadow, Jack, larger than life, on the wall opposite the door through which you peer. You see to your left three chairs made out of wood, very old, made in the shaker style. Go ahead and look that up if you want, but uh, suffice to say, boring, plain old chairs. Now to your right, there's another door. This room, as you enter, has a thin layer of dust covering everything. Jack, you've got that that's odd ability, so you notice promptly that this dust is untouched. Like nothing has been in this chamber for decades. Hmm. Room seems clear. Jack's going to take a look around and just examine the chairs a little bit more. Sure, yeah. Yeah, let me roll a check for you. You have a plus four to your perception roll. Let's add that to this d20 result here. And... Oh. The three chairs look nearly identical. Upon very close examination, you find minor differences between them. Nothing too specific, nothing really worth calling out, but you... Little differences, enough for you to know that these were handmade by some sort of wood artisan at some point in the in the, in the past. These look very old. Hmm. Is the dust on the uh, chairs as well? Yes, everything in this chamber is coated in a thin layer of dust. But now that you've entered and you've gotten closer to these chairs, you see that you're leaving footprints in the dust. And the lack of other footprints beyond those of you and your friends let you know. This room has stood vacant for decades. Now, while you're examining these chairs, the three of them lined up against the eastern wall. The one in the center is a little bit further back and is actually touching the wall. And that wall, right behind the chair, has a very small crack in it that runs between the mortar of every block going vertically. And this is enough for you to assume that this is a secret door. Nice. Mm. Oh. Yes. Jack's going to move the chair out of the way and call to his companions. Hey, I think I got something here. He's going to point out the crack in the wall. That's actually going to startle Borwin, who's a Busy appreciating the craftsmanship of the chairs. <laughs> Four legs, back, uh, uh, seat, uh, sturdy. Uh, what was it? A pine, oh. a pine. Ooh, nice. That could finish on it. Ah, door! <laughs> Just starts tasting some of the wood. You know, I don't know why the way that you said that, like, the back legs, sturdy, arm spaghetti. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> you joke about tasting the wood and being able to tell what it is. I will tell you, I can identify at least four Five different species of oh, wood no. by taste. <laughs> mm. I'm telling you, you work a table saw and enough sawdust kicks up that you can go, yep, that's cherry. 
<laughs> walnut. Like, yeah, it's it, it's real. It's real. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so, Jack, uh, does the wall just pop open, or is there a mechanism that will open and close the door? That's a good question. So how do we open it? With a push of the hand. It takes a little bit of effort, but if you push, it'll pivot. Okay. Jack's going to push it open. It pivots. You lean your head out into what appears to be a hallway, roughly ten feet wide. Straight across from you, peering out, you see another wall. This hall runs north to south, or south to north, depending on who you ask. Looking to your right, which is south, runs for, uh, let's see, about 20 feet before it hits another wall. You're able to see that through the power of Gwillem's light spell as he stands behind you with his light shining out ever so slightly into the hall. To the left, this hall seems to keep going. Hmm. No immediate danger out there? No immediate, I mean, eventual danger, probably. Immediate danger? No. Okay. Now, do me a favor, Greg. Yes. Zoom out. Zoom out? Zoom out. Okay. What is that? Ooh, yeah. What do you see up there? I think I see some kind of green light at the end of the hall. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. So at the end of this hall, pretty good distance, the hall gets really dark. Like pitch black. There's no lighting. But you can barely make out at the end of the hall door frame illuminated by a faint green light shimmering from betwixt the door and its frame. Not like a candle light, but more like light reflecting off a rippling body of water. Hmm. Hey, Gwillem. Yes? Look down there. Jack's going to point down towards the door where the light's coming from. Gwillem will step out from behind the rotating door and uh, take a peek down the hallway. Oh, uh, yeah. can yeah, you like see Like a little green tinge coming from the corner. Oh, let me see. That's uh, pretty far. That's like that's like 100 feet. <laughs> well, Something there like are that. quite a few questions we have just unveiled. How many doors can I see? Wow. Not so much concerned with the other doors, just the doors with the weird green light. Jack is going to look back towards V and Borwin, and just them to follow him. V will follow in, still riding on Henry. Alright, well V, you've got dark vision. You can see probably pretty clearly in this hall. (laughs) (laughs) I see everything! So to your right, as you enter into this hall, you can see where the, the hallway ends, but... With your keen, inanimate eyes, you see that it turns 90 degrees heading west. So basically, you turn right and then turn right again. To the north, you can see where it goes all the way down and hits that door, shedding that green light. And you can also make out that that turns 90 degrees heading west again. So you can go right, right. 
or you can go left left okay across the hall from where you've just entered and a little ways north there's a door on that eastern wall also to the south right at the corner there's a door on the left hand side around that corner if you were to go right right double doors now far down the hall towards the north on the left hand side you can see a door frame and then further than that on the right another door frame so that's one two three four five six or seven doors total well seven or eight you know because mm. you got the secret door well, you just everyone i know that i've led you all down here looking for some lost souls and i well have no idea which one of these doors they might be hiding behind I don't know how we would like to continue, but uh, I suppose following the green light might be as good a choice as any. Like moths to the flame. <laughs> like any <laughs> enemy jack is <laughs> Adam, I would like to roll a lore check on that green light. Ooh. So... Um, those of you that are listening that are not familiar with Pathfinder 2nd Edition, when you make your character, you pick your character's ancestry, so, you know, like a dwarf or an elf or whatever. You pick a class, like a fighter or a barbarian or a wizard, and then you also pick a background, which is kind of who your character is or was. And there's a ton of them available, from general ones that anybody can pick to regional ones or uh, even adventure-specific ones. And those, all of those backgrounds come with a special lore specific to it. So, like, let's say you're uh, a farmer, right? You would have farm lore. So, you know stuff about farming. If you're a, a, a town guard, you have legal lore. You know about laws. V has a background specific to this adventure. You, you don't know. You have, a, you have a feeling that maybe it's related to what your lore is, but um, doesn't specifically match anything. Okay. Still just bad vibes from it, though, right? Not necessarily bad vibes, but okay. vibes. Jack's going to keep his weapons out and say, I gotta know what's behind that door. Let's check it out. Very well. Let us head forward, then. Jack's going to start walking down the hallway. But in the meantime, I would like to use that light as a new lead, if I can. Ooh, you can. So tell us what that does again. It's, it been, it's been a while since you've so actually basically, used So basically, I will spend one minute examining the details of one potential clue, which I designate as that light. So whenever I attempt a perception or skill check to investigate a designated subject, I gain a plus one circumstance bonus to the check. Excellent. So yes, you've declared the source of this light as your lead, so you'll get that bonus, the plus one, to checks in uh, regards to investigating said lead. But you guys all progress up this hall, or down the hall. I'm going to make a, a round of perception checks for everybody. Oh, Gwillem, you... Oh, and oh, Borwin, definitely. As you progress down this hall, you notice that there's... Little little bits of wood and chunks of metal. You, know, you find like uh, some screws and, and things like that on the ground. Looking up, you notice three broken metal brackets hanging from the ceiling. 
One of them towards uh, right about where you guys are now, pretty close to that that lighted doorway. One of them halfway down the hall, and one of them right about where the hall turns that 90 degrees on the southern end. I uh, can't really tell what was there, but something something was. Pieces of rotten wood and twisted metal, and the occasional other scrap strewn about Gesturing the hall. broadly with his staff at the ceiling, Gwilym will say, uh, Watch your head, Barwin. <laughs> Borwin is pretty tall. It's it's higher up though. These ceilings are oh, about I, I would give them about fifteen feet high. So you progress down the hall. You get to that door on the left hand side, and you're about mm, twenty feet away from the door with the shimmering green light peeking out between it and the door. Just frame. even more doors available now. <laughs> there is a crazy amount of different ways we could go right now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, where you are now, you've got a door on your left. Up ahead a short distance on the right, there's another door. Dead ahead. What do you mean dead? (laughs) Is that door with the green light peering out between it and the doorframe. But you've made it all the way up, just about to the corner where it turns to the left. And you spy, with your elven eye, one set of double doors at the end of that hall, heading north. And another door just on that western wall, heading west. Now, Borwin, your excellent result on that perception roll that I did, you notice as this corridor makes that 90-degree turn to the left, right now you're just under one of those metal frames on the ceiling. Beyond that, you notice no rubble. No wreckage, no scrap, no wooden bits, nothing. No dust, no mold, nothing. Very clean. Unusually clean. Unexpectedly clean. Just north of where Barwin is? Just past his metal frame on the ceiling? Yes, and and continuing. Barwin's going to turn to the party and say, That's old. This hole is rather clean. Just ahead of where we are now. This rubble must be new here. And in the hallway behind us that we're walking on right now, was there dust there as well? Okay. Uh, I guess a little bit. No, not like in that other room, no. Um, It would be just a small amount to go with all the broken splinters of wood and metal scraps. Not really enough to even coat anything. Uh, Nothing nothing noticeable. Hmm. Okay. We couldn't do dust angels if we wanted. Uh-huh. No dust angels. No, but no, Borwin's definitely, definitely going to pull out his axe out of worry, because that's definitely weird. Something must come through here often. Enough to want to keep it clean. Well, we are searching for people, so we are hoping to find some traces of movement. Oh, indeed. So, we'll go check it out. My... <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Like... Go crack open that door. Uh, just watch my back, yeah. Oh, I'll be back here. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that nothing jumps out of those other doors. I don't want to be ambushed by a Dornacopia. Borwin reassures him, just nods. As you get close to this door, you are unable to see that light shining because the light from Gwillem's staff overpowers it. Hmm. Gwillem, could you dim that light if there's something on the other end? We don't want them... Well, they probably already know we're here, but... Hmm. 
Alright then. Gwillimwill wiggled the gem free of his staff, and then cradled the staff in the crook of his elbow, and then with the other hand, opened the lid of Rupert's satchel and offer him the gem. Uh, Rupert's little monkey hands will reach out from the pouch and greedily grab it, uh, pulling the gem back inside the satchel with him. <laughs> okay, so it's tucked in there. He's he's having a fun time in there. He's like Discotech, yeah. Okay, so he's got his <laughs> he's got his little lit up little stone in there. Um, <laughs> it's completely dark, other than the light shimmering through the cracks around this door. The only person that can see very clearly is V. She's got those magical dark vision eyes. And Rupert inside of the, the bag. Rupert can see just fine in there. And he's <laughs> horrified. He had no clue how much dust and hair was inside of that bag until he shone a light in there. <laughs> the green light shimmers out around the door frame. Jack's going to put away his main gauche. Still keeping his rapier out just in case something is behind there. Okay. And he's going to turn to his companions and say, On three. He's got a weapons up at the ready. Nods. No one else is prepared. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, Borwin's had his axe out for a while. Gwillem's absolutely not prepared. He can't see shit. Can Borwin even see him nodding? <laughs> no, I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Borwin can't see. Man, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> Jack's hands tremble a little bit as he reaches for the door. Poor guy. He manages to force out the words. All right. One. Two. Three. And he's going to open it up. You open the door, and inside, you see a bathtub. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a bathtub. <laughs> Relax, guy. You can get a bath. Uh, so inside, you see a 10-foot square washroom featuring an iron bathing tub to the north and a commode to the southwest. They've got indoor plumbing. I'm, I'm not sure how it works. There's got to be some sort of magic involved. I don't know. Check this out. An enchanted toilet. All right? Here's how it works. It's got a spell on there. Create water. And it just it fills up the tank, and it flushes it down, and it goes somewhere. You don't know where, but somewhere. The magical bidet. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. We're, no. Look, we're not that high tech yet, okay? <laughs> bidet, everyone. <laughs> bidet, mate. Hey, you guys down there in Australia, I just got an email that said... That uh, I guess we're the like number thirty-four most popular gaming podcast in Australia. So, what? Bidet to you. <laughs> oh God! Oh, God. <laughs> both, and now we're the number fortieth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we've been erased. Oh no! My daughter likes Bluey. All right, so um, <laughs> so you got, it's great. Watch it. Uh, so okay, you got the toilet, the iron bathing tub. Like, dang, that's a heavy-ass tub. Oh, you better believe it. Have you ever tried lifting it? All right, let's not get into this, okay? Uh, <laughs> you also see on the northern wall a shimmering ribbon of eerie green light moving ever so slightly around and pulsing with energy. Jack closes the door. You close the door. <laughs> Uh, guys, it's occupied. Um, <laughs> but no, you see the, the glowing light. You close the door. And you can see the light shimmering from the other side. You had a lot better time closing a door on an enemy than I did. <laughs> uh, so, so, so we just see this happen, right? And Jack just closes the door? 
We don't you see guys, the yeah. light. Only he did. Well, yeah, I don't well, see it. Well, I mean, he, he's he sees it, and then you know, with the way that you guys are stacked up here, if he's behind him, I mean, you can, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna see if you guys see. Let's go. Uh, Jack definitely sees it. Gwillem doesn't. Borwin sees it, and V sees it. So yeah, Borwin, you're able to see over Jack's shoulder. You're able to see some green light moving around in there. V, you can see it pretty clearly. You look around uh, the side of his thigh. You get a good clear look at it. So the green light, it shimmers. And then starts to kind of form into just like a little ribbon. And the ribbon was moving. And then Jack's like, nope, closes the door. Borwin's going to move Jack aside and try to open the door. Is he going to resist? Nope. Oh, <laughs> now you want to open the door, Borwin. He just had Chipotle. He's going he's gonna to ignore him and just still open the door. You open the door. And inside you see that shimmering green light moving around on the wall starts to move in a odd way. Not left or right, not up or down, not in or out, but kind of squiggly-like. You notice it start to form some sort of, uh, maybe, pattern. The rest of you see Borwin standing there, just staring into the room, his face and body bathed in the shimmering green glow. You all right there, Borwin? What's it doing? It seems to be forming something. I can't really tell. V is going to get alongside Borwin and ready your lance to attack this light in case it tries anything. She doesn't trust this thing. Okay. Jack is going to get behind Borwin and try to get a better look and see what this thing is doing. Okay. Well, you look in there and your keen investigatorial mind is able to put together that this moving light seems to be writing something on the wall. The fear that was in Jack before just melts away with burning curiosity replacing it as he's looking at the movements, and he says, I think this thing's writing something. What did it say, Jack? Jack, you're able to follow the ephemerally lingering trail the slight leaves, as it seems to be tracing letters on the wall. I W A S O T A R I I was Otari? It stops. Then it starts to move again. S A V E M E F R O M B E L O W Save me from below. It stops again. Then it slides down the wall onto the floor and starts moving towards you. He stabs at it. <laughs> Give me an attack roll. <laughs> Sixteen. Ooh, you strike the ribbon of light on the ground with a solid thud. But the light keeps moving, unfazed by the lance, and heads out into the hall. It pauses briefly among the four of you, then changes directions and heads west at an uneven pace towards the single door. Warren's going to follow the light, but he'll keep back about ten feet just in case. Okay. 
So Gwilym has stayed outside the door this whole time, so, I mean, he couldn't see anything, so this little green light has just gone past me now? Yes. Can you guys see it moving? Yeah. Yeah. You see it head underneath that door, and then you can see that light shimmering through the door frame at the west end of the hall. Altari, as in the town. That was also the name of one of the adventurers who fought here years ago and perished here. Really? The light gets dimmer. Are we following this thing or not? I don't know if I trust it, but... Let's go. Well, I don't trust it either. But what other leads do we have down here? Maybe this thing will lead us to your lost friends, Gwilym. Alonso, then it's getting away. Orwin's already Orwin. moving forward. Jack's Ooh, falling behind. Door. Who's going to open it? Orwin will. He'll Orwin, open it. You pull slowly. the door open slowly. And you see a narrow corridor, about uh, maybe like six or seven feet wide. Stretches out for about 15 feet, turns left, turns right again immediately. And you see another door at the end. And this little light is headed that way. You can barely see it just before it slides under that other door to the west. Jack's going to pull out his main gauche so he's fully armed. Orin's going to try to keep up with it, but I want to look down the other way real quick on my way there. Ah, it's dark. Hard to make out. But you do see that this corridor turns. V, as you move forward, you're able to see, you know, clear as night because you got dark vision. <laughs> this corridor turns left 90 degrees, heading south 15 feet more. And it looks like it's going to make another left. The light went to the right, though under a door just a little ways ahead of you. It seems like I'll have an easier time following you. Do you think you can lead? I'll cover you. Very well. It moves under the door. And the shimmering light begins to grow fainter. Having followed just behind, Gwilym will say, Um, where are we going? We're following the light front. Why? Bowen doesn't answer. He keeps looking forward. Uh, Adam, while we're following this light, would I be able to do any recall knowledge to see what exactly this light that we're following is? Uh, well, you, I, I'm going to tell I you, mean, you got the skill for it. It claims to be you Otari. Got skill for it, because you, know, you yeah. got all of them. Um, let's see how we did. We're going to go with Society, which is one of your best ones. So you get a pretty damn good roll. So yeah, you, you know the legend... Otari was one of the Rose Guard, one of the four adventurers that were sent in here 500-ish years ago to slay the evil sorceress Belcora. If you want a little bit more info, check out episode 6. Ring gives out some details there. But you know that he died here in the fight with Belcora. The other three survived, left, built the town nearby, and retired there, named it after their dead buddy. Otari died here. Hmm. There you go. You know that. So, now where were we? I opened the door. You open the door. Inside you see a ruined table and several destroyed chairs lying in a heap in the middle of this room. This room is roughly 15 by 20. You see several large bones 
V stops. She's not gonna let anyone pass. Um, I don't like this anymore. Zod bones <laughs> in there. I, I, no, I cannot do this anymore. I do not trust following these lights. The light enters the chamber, and you see it in there moving in an unpredictable way. Still on the floor, but uh, moving left and, and right and then back and forward and left and all over the place in there. Well, there certainly aren't any people hiding in this room. Well, at least none that we can see. I think we should move forward. But move forward where to? This cavernous dungeon has just had doors and doors and more doors. I understand that we have avoided the scorpion room above us, but that is the only room that may be above us that we haven't checked, and we are searching for people. So unless we start opening doors, we should maybe go upstairs. Or perhaps we could ask Otari for directions, but I don't believe that will work. I don't either, but it said save me from below. So maybe there's another Goodness floor below gracious. us. As he has said, there were other people we are here for. The light said save me. It only wants to save itself. I do not trust this light. We should not follow it. We should maybe focus on saving those that still have their skins. For now. Jack's going to turn towards uh, Borman. Just kind of see like what... To get a read on his face, what he's thinking. He's just staring at the light moving. Every direction it goes, his eyes start. It's like watching a tennis match. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's still moving around. Starts to slow um, down a little uh, bit. Excuse me, Otari. Please lead us to others that are here. It moves towards the door on the opposite wall. And slides underneath. You can see the green light shimmering through the door frame, like through the other previous doors. And it's starting to get dimmer. Okay, Gwillem's gonna retrieve his gemstone from Rupert. Kind of uh, wrenching it away from Rupert's grasp. He apparently right. likes shiny things. Rupert spots no. him as you pull it out. He's like, give me a bit. Oh. Maybe this thing is Otari. I think this might be worth checking out. Now that it's a little better lit, Barwin's going to continue forward. Uh, nope. <laughs> he raises her lines across the doorway to block him. Whoa. I told you she was blocking it. Steps over V. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, couldn't he just step over her? Yeah. <laughs> Probably, honestly. <laughs> Would it be an athletics check or an acrobatics check to to move past her? You're actually going for it. All right. If you're trying to push or jump over, it's athletics. If you're trying to like like tumble around it, that's going to be acrobatics. Like you want to do it like where you know you wall. you you pump to the side and then you go the other way and then you spin around and Ooh. you bounce <laughs> the basketball between her legs and catch it on the <laughs> other side. <laughs> We're going to go deception. Nah, uh, as much as that idea seems enticing, it doesn't seem like something Boron would do. <laughs> he doesn't have the uh, the dexterity to, to try to pump things up. Or, or basketball. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, if you want to try to, to, to force your way past, yeah, you can make uh, like an athletics against, uh, uh, against fortitude. fortitude? Yeah. Boron rolled a 22 on his athletics. 
Oh, well, yeah, that's going to beat it. <laughs> Orun will, uh, without really much effort, move the lance aside and just step over, <laughs> over V and then continue forward. Unnecessary. What a jerk. All right, so yeah. But, uh, but the, Step uh, aside, but small child. Say, Get that out of here. <laughs> Bowen, no, you cannot trust these lights. He moves into the chamber. Uh, once you, well, I guess once you let, once Borwin gets through, uh, would Gwilym be able to get through okay, or are you stopping us one at a time? Doll <laughs> <laughs> <Dull> TSA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, once Borwing gets through, I she's more focused on him, so you could probably slip past. She would yell at him, like, "Borwin, we cannot trust that light." I don't really trust much things around here, but I don't care about that. I have to follow. That is how they get you. That would actually make Borwin stop. What do you mean? As Quillum moves past V into this chamber. I'm going to make some perception rolls. Ooh, that's actually pretty damn good. Gwillem absolutely notices a couple of things. First of all, you can hear the sounds of dripping water nearby. You notice the sounds of something moving. You notice also this room not as clean as the corridors you've just come through. Other than, you know, obviously the wreckage in here. Some dust, but not that even layer like okay. the other place that you were in earlier. Jack, you you can't really see too well from where you are. Or hear anything. You got nothing, actually. Yeah, Jack's just watching Borwin and Gwilin pass through V. V, you're able to see it, and Borwin, you see it. These bones, these large, large bones here... Start to slide across the floor and Orphan's form up chop into a big, big fucking skeleton. So big. Oh my, you don't even know. Such a big skeleton. He is going to move to the token layer. Bam! What? Oh, that's a big boy. Still oh, swinging yeah. at it. Oh, yeah. I am still this swinging thing. at it. That thing is fucking this huge. Thing. You sound so excited. <laughs> This thing is forming up. You see the, the bones starting to snap into place. You see, uh, I don't know what they're called, but toe bones and then foot bones, ankle Sing bones, shin bones, bones, all of it's starting to, to come together. Yeah. Everybody, roll initiative. Woo, I got 24. V's coming in with a 19. Borman rolled a 21. The first terrible initiative he's had, Gwilym rolled an 8. Ooh, the skeleton also has an eight. Um, in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, any initiative ties go to the GM, though. So, Gwillem is going to go last. Oh my, that music has kicked in. And it's <laughs> a little bit spooky, a little bit creepy, and a little bit perfect for fighting a giant fucking skeleton. Yo, I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> first round, first initiative goes to Jack Thorne out in the hall around the corner in... Mostly darkness. You can kind of see where V is, is standing in that doorway, and a little bit of the chamber, or well, the the corridor that you're in. But that's it. You can't see into that room at all from where you are. What will you do? You know, with everything being so like so, you know, tight and 
claustrophobic at this point. Like, and there's doesn't seem to be much <laughs> for me to move. This music is not helping me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Keep it going. I want to keep you on edge. Uh, feels All right. But I can't see it from where I'm standing right now, though, right? You can see. I can see part of it. Bones sliding across the floor and snapping into place. Kneecaps. Oh boy. <laughs> Thigh bones. Okay. You see that That's pelvis rattling on the floor? Getting ready. Alright. Wish me luck, y'all. Jack is going to try to rush in. Uh. And we're going to try to tumble through. Okay. To Make get to this space. Acrobatics roll to try to tumble through. Alright. Okay, I rolled a 19 total. Lovely. Yeah, you make it straight in there. No problemo. Sweet. You tumble around the corner into uh, a different corner. So you are now in that chamber on the northern wall in the corner next to Gwillem with this skeletal humongo building itself before okay. your very eyes. Now this is going to be... That's two actions so far, right? One to move and then one to tumble through? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jax is going to be in fight or flight mode right now. He's choosing the fight. Just going to take a swap at it with my uh, rapier. Swap. That's, that's, my swap. that's a new one. Uh, 16. 16. You strike out at the assembling bones and hit nothing at all. Shoot. Nothing at all. Nothing, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Stupid sexy skeleton. <laughs> yes, exactly. Perfect. Thank you. Next in line is Borwin. Hmm. So. Pelvis snaps in. <laughs> you see vertebrae. Pop, 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 pop. Snapping into place. It just upsets poor. <laughs> Seeing the circumstance that they're now in and, and feeling uh, some responsibility to it. He <laughs> just, just a little. I hate to say, I told Willem will you hate so. to hear no, you I don't told you so. Borwin's going to stare straight at this thing and say, I need your help once again. The skeleton doesn't respond. No, to his, um, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, cock his axe and uh, it starts to glow. You cock the axe? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like getting his arm ready to get to like fight. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's going to go ahead and swing uh, his first attack. Okay. Some bitch. Uh, actually, do I have this thing flanked? No, yes. uh, you do. You do, yes. actually. Yes, yes, you do. Because so, because V in the other side, out that door, is directly across from it. So with that then, does a 13 hit? Mm. No. Mm. You swing the axe and just, again, even though, even with that shimmering light from the blade, not enough to make contact. You, you swing and it's just the, there's nothing connecting these bones yet. You know, you, you swing to where uh, where one of the vertebrae snaps into place, and it just you knock it across the room, and it snaps back into place. Mm. It's a miss. Then Borwin will strike one more time. Does a 17 hit. Oh, that's a lot better. You swing your glowing axe, and you hit, and this time it deals some damage. How much damage does it deal? All right, five slashing damage, and then in addition, three positive damage. Okay, the axe blade doesn't seem to really impact the the bone that you hit, but the that that light that light seems to sear the bone. Hmm. V, your turn. Mm, we're fighting it, so I guess 
I'm gonna try to move Henry to get a run at this thing. So nature check. Say 20, that's gonna move oh, yeah. Henry. Absolutely. Nice. For a moment, it looks like they're running away, but then Henry whips back around and then they charge at the skeleton. Skirt! Lance attack. Oh, yeah! 26! Ooh! Critical! I also get an additional D8 for my deadly D8. Ooh, deadly D8. So that's a really cool thing that happens in Pathfinder. Some weapons deal extra damage on a critical hit. Oh. So in in previous editions, you know, you get a thing where it's like, oh, you know, I've got a, a times three multiplier. It doesn't happen here. Sometimes you've got a weapon that'll go like, hey, you know, you regularly deal a d6, have an extra d8 on top. This is a piercing attack. Heart shot. Oh, this has triple damage. Oh, oh yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> Crit effect. The target takes 1d4 persistent bleed damage. Now, here's an unfortunate thing. This thing Don't got blood. doesn't uh... bleed. You ain't got no blood, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. <laughs> so let's get some damage going. So it was only a one on the deadly d8. Okay. Still triple damage. Holy shit. What, uh, what do we got? Total and then tripled. Well, you so don't triple the d8. Eight. So eight times... 24. So 25 total. Damn. Okay. Not bad. Not bad at all. Okay, so here's what happens. As this thing is assembling, you see vertebrae like <laughs> snapping into place. You see on the ground a bunch of ribs shuffling around and then they snap together and form a rib cage. And as that starts to fling across the air towards this compiling skeleton, you do that subconscious calculus and find the exact approach factor and you. Drive your lance forward, delivering the full momentum of your lunge and the thrust of the lance and Henry's charge into the sternum of this assembling giant, causing the torso to explode, showering the entire chamber in musty bones and petrified sinew. But then the bones rattle, shuffle, slide together, begin to reassemble again. Final action, raising the shield. Shields up. It's this thing's turn. As those ribs snap back together, that rib cage flings into place. You see arm bones lifting up off the ground. Pop, pop. Elbows. Pop, pop. Hands rattling together. All of them. Pop, 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 pop. Snapping together. Forming hands. A couple more vertebrae. A skull. And this skull has horns and the skull is not the shape of a man's skull but in fact the shape of a cow's skull snaps up on top it bends down and picks up something you guys didn't notice there earlier a big rusted glaive picks up from the wreckage of the table and the chairs pulls that out readies it in both hands this is a skeletal minotaur I knew as soon as you said the cow head. Gwillem, your turn. Damn it, anyway. Oh, okay. Gwillem wants zero closeness with this thing. So, I mean, this thing is huge. Uh, it's very large. I am going to back away from it, not so slowly, to the corner of the room, which still is within 10 feet of it. It's not going well. Too close for comfort. Yeah. <laughs> you would assume, based on the size of this thing and the size of that glaive, 
Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. As soon as you described it, I was like, "There's, I can't escape it." It has a skull on now, so maybe we will try <laughs> giving this some of the days. So, Dashu, please make a will save. Actually, don't make it if possible. Ha <laughs> <laughs> How about a critical miss? I got a what a will for grand total. Of not enough. All right, what do we got? What, what happens with the critical? This is the first time that your days has actually gone off with the so, critical failure. So what is going to happen is it will still take the regular four damage, and what kind of what kind of damage is this? Uh, let me see. It is mental and non-lethal. It doesn't flinch. Does it still become stunned one as a result of the critical fail on the save? It does not. No. This thing doesn't give a fuck about your day spell. Wow. Neither do I anymore, so... Nah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's... No need to be Minasaur. <laughs> boo, 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 boo. <laughs> Don't you mean Another boo? Another joke like that, Greg, and you're gonna get Minotaur and Feathered. Moo. <laughs> Don't you moo me. Alright, that's enough. <laughs> you know what? Let's get off of this topic of Minotaur <laughs> jokes, and, and let's go, let's just, let's shift over to Bone uh, Jokes. Okay, so Gwilym, no bowl about it then. Yes. Got it. Uh, Gwilym is also so done stern, with man. his turn. <laughs> Rough. As a dog joke, see? Jack Thorne, you're in the corner, right next to this giant skeletal minotaur with its rusty glaive. This thing looks ready to kill. What will you do? I will devise a strategy immediately. Okay. I'm trying to find out any strengths this thing has, like any special attacks. Special attacks. Let's see how you do on your roll. Let's see. Do you have... Yes. Surprise. You are trained in the proper skill. Ooh, and you know what? That's pretty... That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What do you get as a modifier? Let's check the cheat sheet. You get... Uh, not a huge bonus to it, but... That's still good enough. You looking at this thing... Judging by the, the horns on its head, you imagine that this thing would do some sort of, like, terrifying charge if it were to charge you. It's got an ability called Terrifying Charge. It has, as two actions, it can stride and make a horn strike with a bonus to the damage if the strike hits. It can try to frighten you as well. Mm. Okay. All right, let me go ahead and roll that uh, d20 here. Ugh, not the best. Uh, so it is an 11 total. Okay. So what I would like to do is I would like to try to use my final two actions to aid Borwin in his next strike. I'm going to try to distract this thing. Okay, in what way? Jack is going to yell at the beast to try and get its attention. Oi, Columbus! Your mother was a blind milkmaid! <laughs> All right, so uh, it's going to be a deception check as a reaction to Borwin's next attack. Right. And, uh, Borwin, it's your turn. Borwin's going to continue his onslaught. He swings. And, oh, no, yeah, that's a natural one. Buddy. <laughs> Maybe I yeah, should I don't know what to say give up this hero point. Are you saying I distracted you? That. <laughs> I don't want to leave it to chance yeah. with whatever the fumble card could be. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Oh. With a critical miss. Okay. In a situation where you're in a tiny chamber with a giant <laughs> skeleton. With a glaive, 
and big fuck off horns. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get rid of my hero point card. Okay, that's fine. Take the easy way out. Go ahead and roll again. Come on, one, 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 one. Uh, it's an eleven, but well, if if my deception can help, yeah, let's see. Go for it. Let's it see this deception. Let's enough. see how you do. All right, rolling. Ew, this is going to be a five. What? Oh, what the hell? Was that? <laughs> All right. So uh, here's the deal. That is. Uh, you, you know, the number you need to hit is 20, so you failed by more than 10, so that is a critical mm. failure. Yeah, no, I, I don't want to spend my hero point cards. It's too good of a card. Okay. So you say. On oh, a critical you'll failure, see. your ally <laughs> takes a minus one circumstance penalty to the triggering check. So, <laughs> Borwin, that's going to that's gonna kick that back down to a 10 instead of an 11. Ooh. That is a regular failure. Okay. Not a critical failure. Then... Could have, it could have been grand. It could have been a critical failure anyway. <laughs> that would have been bad. You still have two more actions. What would you like to do with them? Go for a second swing. Go for it. That's a crit. Yeah! Ooh, yeah! Nice. All right. My, how the turntables... Uh, oh. right, so <laughs> critical hit with a slashing weapon. Three times damage again. <laughs> you got Come on. the overhand chop. Critical effect. 1d8 uh, persistent bleed damage. This thing, you guys can't catch a fucking break with this guy. So nope. you swing over the top and you cleave into it. Dealing how much damage? So it's going to be 10 slashing damage and then 3 positive damage. These crit cards are hurting us more than just you... doing the regular crit damage. Yeah, they are. <laughs> right? You swing overhand. Hit it with the axe. Dealing less damage than you expected. That light, though, the light seems to be burning, but the chopping not doing as much damage as you would think. Knocks away some of the bones, and those bones, as as they're burning, they, they reassemble, but the burn, the burn doesn't fix itself. Mm. All right, you got one more action. Boren's going to hold this final action to assist V's next attack by trying to shove it. Okay, so yeah, you spend your last action to prepare. Oh, so wouldn't Jack have had another action? I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was two actions. Uh, no, to aid is one. Yeah, so you should have had one more. Oh. Mm. Mm. What would you have done, Greg? Yeah. yeah honestly, window. I have no idea. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna leave it that way then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna think about it next just time. drop it. Yeah, just gonna Is drop it. Perry? Perry, Perry stands. Perry oh yeah, stands. yeah, Love Perry it. stands. Okay. There we go. Yeah, there we go. And V, it's your turn. Wait till next week. Oh yeah! Fuck you, man. I'm out of here. <laughs> he said, well, forget you. Get you. <laughs> Get these monkey fighting snakes off of this Monday to Friday. Oh, no. That would actually make.